Hello and welcome to YAF, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast hosted by me, Antonin Januska, where I go through every Final Fantasy game, one by one, section by section, and I'm currently on Final Fantasy 1, season 1, I guess, of the podcast, and who knows if I'll make it to season 2, right? So in the last episode, I talked about the different the different things I needed to do to get the airship, which meant getting the levy stone, going into the ice caverns, getting the airship, and then just kind of browsing around and wandering around. So in this episode, I'm going to go through the next section, which was, uh, which were the trials. So in this section, I went to the Cardia Islands, which were now newly accessible because of the airship. The Light Warriors got in the airship and we went to the, we went to the small islands. There's like a whole ar- archipelago of dragon caves. And essentially you go in there and you're like, oh my God, there are dragons, but the dragons are very friendly and they just have like some interesting things to say. There are a bunch of different chests with all kinds of loot, some gill, some items, nothing, I mean, lots of money, but like nothing really substantial or interesting. Um, eventually you'll go to a cave where by that's that's ruled by Bahamut or I don't Bahamut, I don't know. It's the Dragon King and Dragon King basically says like, hey, I want you to prove to, prove to me that you're courageous and tells you to go to the Citadel, Citadel of Trials. And so yeah, that's basically it for the Dragon Caves or the Cardia islands, there's nothing really interesting other than lots of loot, I guess. The Citadel Trials don't feel very difficult. You get there, and I I was reading through the guide, and the guide was telling me, hey, like, why don't you go to Gaia? And I have no idea where that is, and it was giving me all kinds of it was giving me all kinds of suggestions to keep all of my potions, and, and just, you know, prepare for this really difficult battle. And it ended up not really being a problem. When you get into the Citadel of Trials, it's kind of interesting because you're, unlike in the caves, you're actually going up constantly, which was kind of a weird thing. I kept looking for like the down staircase, but you keep going up. There's an old person in the on the first floor that requires you to prove that, you know, you can actually go through and you prove it by giving showing him, I guess, the crown that you used to defeat Astus, which is or that was obtained by defeating Astus. So that's like way, way back a few chapters that when when we covered the Prince of Elfland. Yeah. So then you just kind of go through. There are some more difficult enemies this time, this time, like the Medusas gave me some trouble, but they were pretty much it on the second floor of the Citadel of Trials, you go through these teleport, teleports, teleporting platforms, and there's a pretty easy way to get to the right place, which I found out by myself, but then when I read the guide, I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually true. You typically just have to go to the lowest available portal in whatever section you're in. If you go to a different one, it'll take you back to a different place, and you collect a really interesting item before you go to the third floor, and it's the Zeus Gauntlets. Along with the Zeus Gauntlets, you also collect the Healing Staff on on the third level and I, I think the gold bracelet does the same thing maybe nope no it doesn't but there are items that you can that I guess you can equip but I didn't see an option to equip them the guide says you can equip them but I did see an uh, uh, the ability to use them from the items menu so essentially the healing staff will let you heal cast heal on the party the gauntlets will let you cast thundera on your enemies and any class and any uh, any party member can use these weapons which is really cool because that means that if my thief is fighting an enemy that is resistant 
resistant to physical attacks and I just can't really get anything out, anything done, I can cast Thundera. If I am low on MP, I can cast Heal with without expending any of my mana. Eventually, you'll get to like a chest that opens and you get the rat's tail. The rat's tail is is um, a the, the item that you were looking for, basically the proof of your courage. And then you have to fight the dragon zombie, which feels like a very easy enemy because if it's if it's a dragon you can use the worm killer worm fighter i don't remember the name of it but it is essentially a weapon that you get early earlier on um that has an advantage over dragons which is cool well since it's a zombie that means that your mage your white mage or your whatever um can uh, can use something like dia or diara or diaga i guess any of those any of those spells that have are like super effective against the undead the thing is the dragon zombie only has like 270 hp and even if with with its really strong defenses <clears throat> it's a two-hit ko by any of my characters so when i had randomly uh, when it randomly generated and showed only one dragon it was just one turn um i did accidentally like exit out of the um, exit out of the emulator before saving. So what that basically meant was that I had to like redo this and I ended up fighting two different dragons and that was a little bit harder and that felt like, okay, like maybe this is a little bit challenging, but again, it was over within like two or three turns. What sucked was having to get back to the airship after being done. So like you, you defeat the dragon, you have the teleport that te takes you back. I think it's a teleport. Uh, do do do. Yeah, it takes you back to the first floor, and then you have to take the long trek back to your airship because you, your airship can only land in clear green areas, and that's really far away at this point. So that that kind of sucked. I didn't really enjoy that. But then once you get to the airship, you fly back to Behemoth's Bahamut's cave and he'll upgrade every single one of your character classes. So your warrior becomes a, I guess, a knight. Oh yeah, that's right. Your warrior becomes a knight. And what's really cool about it is that this knight can use up to level three spells, like white magic spells. This is so freaking cool because that means that the knight can have healing spells. That means that the knight has MP. That means that this character that I was in that I wasn't relying on whatsoever to provide support now has support in and out of battle. The important part is out of battle because I think, you know, I can, I can have this character learn all these utility spells and not care much about expending my MP. Like I can't really imagine myself using a bunch of white magic spells that are level three or under within battle, unless it's like a status ailment fix, right? Like I'm not going to be casting Cura on any of my other characters with my knight. My knight is supposed to be offensive. What's cool though, I guess, is that if I face any enemies that are resistant against the knight, the knight can take more of a supportive role while some of the other characters can do other things. Next, the thief becomes a ninja. So I have a thief that becomes an, he becomes a ninja. He gets an expend. I guess he's able to equip like better stuff. The knight was able to equip better stuff too, but it's more prominent with the ninja because the ninja had as a thief had like so many limitations. Next up, oh, and by the way, the ninja can learn black magic spells, which kind of blew my mind because the black magic spells are basically like, oh, kill the entire, kill all enemies or kill one of the enemies. And it's just feels supremely powerful. Next, if you have the monk or the, ma uh, the monk becomes a master and 
I don't know. It looks like it becomes your best pure fighting warrior. I'm not really sure what else happens other than the fact that the character stats get really boosted. When the red mage becomes a red wizard, he becomes more powerful attack-wise. And, you know, he has the ability to learn a bunch of new spells. That's cool, too. Like, the, there are a bunch of, like, red wizard spells. I think Thondaga... Don't quote me on this. I think it is Firaga and Thundaga. Thundaga? I don't know. Basically, the Thunder and Fire, like, more powerful versions of those spells. You can learn those finally. That was, like, a frustrating part of, like, being at Crescent Lake and trying to buy spells I can't use. Next is the White Mage. The White Mage becomes a White Wizard. From what I'm reading, it's just, like, it they become, like, more powerful. But what's interesting is that they can become an offensive player and use a powerful sword to fight later on in the game. That was kind of confusing that the white mage is going to be able, the white wizard is going to be able to do it. But, you know what? You know what? I'll take it. If you have a black mage, the black mage becomes a black wizard. That big he gets a bunch of physical stamina and strength and i don't know that's about it you know obviously you can cast more powerful spells so my team the knight ninja red mage and white or sorry the knight ninja red wizard and white wizard i mean i guess they feel pretty powerful already i bought a few spells for them some i did not buy any equipment this time around because there wasn't anything to buy anymore i keep trying to find new places to go i think i found <laughs> the town behind the water crystal quest so i'm probably on the right way again i'm like i'm using the guide a lot less i think i used it i don't know i used it a lot less this time especially since the gba version has like an overworld map that helps a ton because it kind of shows you where you need to go that's about it for the for the walkthrough of the trials i think it's a really interesting idea to have the a whole party basically suddenly upgrade through this interesting side quest i wonder you know i wonder if this was even necessary if this is something that was skippable if you needed to have a knight and a ninja and a red wizard and if you needed to have those characters upgraded but it's cool i also really like the concept of the dragons being like a positive force so you go to the the dragon king and the dragon king is not there to fight you the dragon king is there to in a way honor you tell you that hey you're doing a good job and that's kind of fascinating as a as a thing in like a western style rpg when i say western style it it reminds me of Western fantasy. Yeah. So outside of that, you know, whenever you upgrade characters uh, in other games, it's usually through like a level up, like you might reach level 15 and then you got to pick, you know, do you want to go this way or do you want to go this way? What, what class are you upgrading to? Or they automatically upgrade or... You know, I even consider this in Pokemon, whenever your Pokemon automatically evolves, you know, you can stop it, but it's something that automatically happens. In some games, I'm used to, you know, I guess Final Fantasy VII did this, I believe, where you had side quests per character to get their ultimate weapon or their ultimate overdrive, is that what it's called? Like their ultimate attack. So the fact that I went to a single place that was not very difficult to defeat and then I got this massive upgrade was super satisfying. It's just really cool. I don't, I wonder how it's going to play out that my fighter characters are able to heal or able to cast spells they weren't able to before. I wonder how that's going to play out, but I don't know. 
I'm kind of excited. I feel like I'm getting close to the end. I'm looking at the uh, the walkthrough, and after the trials, it's the Crystal of Water, Crystal of Air, and then Temple of Chaos, and that's it. So it's technically three more chapters, and if they go go by like this, I'll be done with Season 1 pretty soon, and hopefully I'll be turning to Final Fantasy 2 and see how that goes. Yeah, I guess a- as a heads up, I'm not going to be covering the Souls of Chaos, the different shrines and chasms and stuff that basically came in as part of Dawn of Souls. I think it's called, right? I think that's the name of it. Yeah. So I'm not going to be tackling that, but, you know, it's it's been a fun game so far. I've really enjoyed it. I don't think I would have had as much fun if I didn't have a guide to fall fall back on. There are a lot of things that are pretty intuitive. I am not a very intuitive person when it comes to these types of games. I like giving myself kind of a little bit of the freedom to roam, especially with this format that I'm doing. If I don't have time for to record a podcast as soon as I'm done with that chapter, I go exploring and I grind and I do all kinds of other stuff. Maybe that's why I'm level 40 at a point where I guess it's not necessary. So I get to do a lot of this exploring and fun part and then kind of do the real story whenever I'm done with the podcast and I want to move on. So just like with this with this podcast, as soon as I'm done, I'm probably going to be moving on to the next section and finishing that up. And once I finish it up, I'll be, you know, for sure grinding and exploring and whatever. Thank you for listening. This was Yaf Podcast. You can find me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Y-A-F-F podcast. And until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will continue listening to this podcast.